Hello and welcome to this, our latest HFS Hot Vendor Fireside videocast. Um, pulling up a chair with me this time around are two leaders from Apto.ai, CTO and co-founder Prashant Kapoor and Managing Director Bjorn Schwartz. Apto is a no-code development platform for instant Java code generation, primarily for use by enterprises developing Java and React.js-based applications. The Apto AI no-code platform can reduce traditional development time and costs by 60 to 70%. Through a drag and drop menu, the end user can form workflows on the platform to be instantly converted into Java code. The AI engine assists users in understanding their next steps, prompting workflow ideas, suggesting reusable components from its resource library, drafting reports based on the input data, and helping with various platform functions. We named Apto AI an HFS OneOffice hot vendor for its ability to automate the entire software development lifecycle and to work seamlessly with legacy infrastructures. This aligns with HFS OneOffice goal of eliminating internal silos and infusing automation across the value chain. So welcome, gentlemen. And my first question is going to present. Um, how would you describe what Apto is actually delivering and who for? So Apto um, is an AI engine that is trained to think like an architect, write code like a developer, test like a QA, build uh, like a build engineer and deploy like a DevOps. So it's trying to replace all the uh, aspects of STLC. This engine is going to replace all those. And the end output is going to be an enterprise app. Uh, it'll be a web app. A mobile app. Mobile app includes iOS and Android and also APIs that you can use to connect with other um, systems. So that's the end output. So it's a complete end-to-end uh, -end solution for an enterprise. So Bjorn, um, who's buying this uh, and what do they typically use it for? And, and do you having to partner with people or are you making this a direct sales opportunity? Basically, everyone who uses Java or React.js is a potential customer now that's quite a wide definition um so when we when we're speaking to uh, clients and leads they they see pain points in the current or the traditional way of software development um software developers are hard to find uh, if you can find them they are quite expensive if you can find them and you can pay them they are overqualified for writing code line by line um they, they can do things that are yeah, more exciting for them, more productive and creating higher value for the client or the end client and um, also for the company that's employing them. So we we can help break break up that. Uh, yeah, it's not a magic. It's the opposite of a magic triangle. So we can help to break that up and um, we we can train someone within two to three weeks to be at a level of 90, 95% of a fully qualified um, Java engineer. So that opens up a new demographic for um, potential uh, yeah, developers. And um, we we also help, it's, it's not just about cost, it's, it's also about time, time to develop. So you alluded to saying 60 to 70% faster, which means it's three to four times faster than what you're doing at the moment. And that opens up new possibilities. Yeah, so at the moment, a lot of outsource development, uh, software development is simply a cosplay. And if your main selling point is that I am cheaper than the rest of you, 
you can bet that someone else will come around and undercut you. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next month, but definitely pretty soon. So as as a software development company, you you should think about what what else can you bring to the table. And then if you are all of a sudden four times quicker than before, you and your client will become more agile in software development, but also in what you're developing the software for. So you become an integrated part, or you can become an integrated part of their yeah, of the ecosystem yeah, and then it's not just about cost anymore it's quality delivery and so on so you're in a much better position to um to talk to your clients um, to become partner with them rather than a supplier and going back to the other question um we're, we're currently we're going mainly direct um but we're also looking into channel opportunities we're also thinking about partnering with these outsourced software um, development agencies because sometimes clients come to us and say, we buy what you're doing. It's great. Can you start tomorrow building ABC for us? And sometimes we need to politely decline and say, well, we are, uh, we're, we're not a, uh, yeah, a mobile app development company. We enable this, um, but the execution for the execution, we, we're looking for partners and, um, Again, this would then be a true partnership rather than just saying, oh, you're a channel partner. Here's X percent, go and sell. Um, but turning this into a two-way street. Okay, so what I'm hearing is um, it's a value proposition rather than a money-saving or a time-saving thing. It's it's how you can actually build in the ability to innovate or towards value faster uh, into your organization. Much like um, there's, there's that argument around cloud. Uh, if you go for cloud, then you, you get that kind of same uh, value add. It's not just about saving you some money on servers. Um, I'm wondering, I mean, it's a, it's a big world. Uh, the low-code, no-code world uh, is one in which there's an awful lot of competition, awful lot of interest as well, so rapidly growing space. But um, I wonder, Prashant, if you can tell us a little about why you stand out um, versus alternatives that might be around? Great. I think uh, that's a great question. So um, if you consider the way we started, it was very much similar to uh, all those uh, tools out there. That is, we looked into the HR tech domain and we went deep into it. We trained our engine to write code in the HR tech domain. Uh, pretty soon we learned that the HR has no control uh, over the budget or the technology you know, and wherever we went for a demo, the tech folks used to come around and say, hey, can it also do this? Can it also do that? Uh, right. So uh, that's when we decided what, uh, you know, uh, something different that compared to any other uh, company out there. So I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here. So we actually took the training online. So in the tool, when the user is actually clicking and mapping the data and doing performing various operations, his inadvertently teaching Apto on how to write that code. So in the background, we are learning from every action that is happening. That's how Apto is able to write code. That itself is a very big differentiator compared to any other uh, uh, customer, any other competitor out there today, right? So the reason being, uh, if you look at our end game, we are looking to build a Jarvis kind of a method where uh, Apto is going to probably tell the customer what to do, or the customer will be able to talk into Apto and say, hey, I want to do this, correct? So that is something that we can do just because Every application is uh, actually teaching Apto on uh, writing that business logic, writing the source code, writing, you know, taking those decisions in that particular domain. So we are not restricted to any particular domain now. 
compared to some of our competitors who are only in either insurance domain or in healthcare domain or some other manufacturing domain. Uh, or like SAP, which they give you standard models across, let's say, manufacturing ERP and stuff like that, right? We are completely a clean slate. So you, uh, any customer in any domain can come and build whatever they want and in return teach chapter on how to write that code as well. So that engine and that differentiator will help us leapfrog our competition. Let's say a few years down the line, um, we'll be at a place where our competitors will be spending years of research to catch up on with us. Just to dig into that a little bit, is that um, because uh, some of your competitors might have used AI or machine learning in a quite specific model uh, to solve a particular problem? That's a, traditionally what AI has done. And then you've got all of this generative AI comes along. Um, is that part of your solution or is that something you're going to be able to integrate? You, you mentioned their kind of natural language interface uh, but uh, and of course, everyone thinks ChatGPT when you you, you yeah. say that. Said so, said, so tell us um, to what extent is that already in your uh, your build, or is that in the plans? So it's already in the works today. Uh, as I said, there are three aspects to this. One aspect where our engine is going to probably tell the customer. Let's say you're building. Uh, we'll take some example. Let's say you're building a leave application, right? It might be able to come and prompt his, you know, the customer is just looking at the screen, sitting blank, what next? What do I build? Our engine may understand and say, look, similar applications, most of them have probably built Apple Workflow. Do you want to build an Apple Workflow here? He presses yes, everything is built and configured. No need to drag and drop as well, correct? And he can just go and modify to his needs, right? That's one part of it. The second part of it is actually the NLP that you're talking about. And uh, the first part, we are pretty much, you know, like 30 to 40% there, uh, where we are able to understand and prompt. The second part is either we can integrate with the chat GPT, or we are also looking at other NLP uh, things where people will be able to talk and actually we build that application along, right? So that's another cool thing that is in the works already. And the final part of it is actually taking decisions. If let's say the customer says, hey, I want to, I just want to build a leave application. You do however you think is right. And as the application is being used, our engine can actually go and modify that application, rewrite that entire code. It can understand, look, you you know, the usage and uh, probably searching for the manager is higher. So I'm going to go and rewrite that piece of code and re-index it. So automatically keeping the application updated and keeping it really, you know, those kind of decisions is where our engine can excel again. So those three aspects is how we see it and already it's in the work and uh, especially the NLP side, hopefully one or one and a half year down the line, we should have an excellent, uh, we'll be in an excellent place where we'll have enough data to actually, uh, you know, understand what the user is trying to do. So, so if I understand that correctly, that there's an opportunity for the software to develop in response to changes in conditions and changes in market. Um, in in a way that uh let's say rpa has famously been brittle breaks the moment you uh you have a change in a condition anywhere in, in exactly. there so it's so it's is what you're building something that has the flexibility to to handle that change basically exactly so um i, I today it's doing it already if you see the way it works i'll give you an example which was which happened with a customer of ours uh, so they have this they have this document creation or a contract creation application uh, where they're generating a contract. Now to generate this contract, a lot of data is being fetched from SAP and other areas, right? 
and it's stored in a database and a lot of massaging happens. Now, as this was being used, a lot of search was happening across the board. So they were searching on like 10, 20 columns. So as it progressed, our engine took addition that, hey, putting this in an elastic search will be faster compared to doing in a database. So without the user intervention, without anybody telling it took the addition and automatically started indexing there. The code got rewritten that any hits that you're doing, like you're trying to fetch data, it's going to elastic search first compared to hitting a database. So that's just a very classical example of how our engine can take those decisions on the fly and react to those um, conditions. Because when you build the application, they probably thought they'll, they'll always search on the email of the customer. But apparently there were like 100 of the fields where they could search and they were just leveraging and searching across the board. Got it, okay, well, thank you. Um, uh, my next question is really, uh, I'm gonna direct to Bjorn. Um, this is about, I, I wanna try to understand where you are at the moment in terms of what the typical uh, case studies are, um, the value you've added in an organization. And um, if you can then tell us a bit about where you are in the journey as an organization, how many people you've got to, what you're targeting for, for growth over the, the next 12 to 18 months. So, so we can get a picture of where what Apto is and, and where it's planning to go in the near term. Yeah, sure. So on case studies, um, there are a lot, lot of them. Um, and it, it ties in a bit of what we spoke about earlier, so that the pain points in development, um, there they could be time, there could be cost, could be available availability of developers. Um, let's call it time to market, um, not just development time, but going into this agility um, area. So we we worked with some clients who who planned had really nice development plan. Yeah, waterfall, edge, everything was in there. And I said, well, it take it will probably takes take 10 developers for six months to develop, to roll out um this app. It was a marketing app. Um and there there was a due date for marketing campaign um centrally centrally steered but decentralized. Um so every every salesperson should download the app and then well do sales, right? So and then, then when we came in, we we turned the six the six month into um, six weeks, and we went down from ten developers to one developer or one person on the team. So it's it's not just saying yeah we we shave off two three four five percent here or there. It's game changer is a much abused word, right? But it's it's a game changer. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you become so much faster. You could even change that that app on the go if needed yeah and um so the app was rolled out 35000 downloads on day 1 much more later and it's still being used today so it's not just yeah we we kind of we, we got there faster yeah but we we failed faster but um we developed it faster with less input and it was available from um from day 1 and successfully available from day 1 for a large number of users just to add to what Bjorn said, right? One of the one of a very innovative way one of our, our partners are using is when they go to bid for a particular project, they're actually building a POC along and just going. So that instead of just doing a presentation, they're actually showing an app, uh, even though if it's not fully functional, close to what the user wants. So that gives you that that gives a kick, and that's 
forget the time saving, forget the cost saving. That is probably one way to win a project for them. So that is again a pretty innovative way for our customers. Yeah, especially if you if you have non-tech people on the other side, or even worse, non-tech engineers, they're used to working with prototypes. Yeah, if you yeah, they build a mock-up of a car, say here's the steering wheel. This is how how the uh, seats will look like. There's no engine in there, but you get a an idea of the final product. And now you come with a very nice, very long PowerPoint and say, well, you need to decide today how the final product will look like in six months. And in between, you get a status update, but no no chance to change anything. Yeah, you, you can see where the conflict <laughs> can, can be created. And with that rapid prototyping, you turn that around and saying, so yeah, here, this is how it looked like, how it would look like. If you want to, we can develop three apps in parallel, and then you can choose later and obviously at some point narrow it down. Um, but yeah, again, agile is a bit of a buzzword, but this is what it means. I think what, what you're doing is actually closer to what I'd call managed innovation, which is that you've got a, yeah. a rapid iterative process. And if you're feeding insight into each of those steps, people used to talk about fail fast, so that we used to design that to go fail never, uh, yeah. because you, you'll get in the insight at each step. So the, in theory, you should only be designing what your end user is going to enjoy using and, and get value from. So I think that's um, what we've seen as a that's kind of moved into as it moved into product development out of software development. Um, but if you can bring the two together, then then you've got a very smart product. Um, I'm just thinking. So this sounds great. Okay, you're making some some big impact in some of the organizations you're working for. How are things scaling? Um, but how many customers do you have now? Um, and are you looking at growing into other markets or other verticals? Um, what's the plan for growing the business? So the plan for this year is, is roughly doubling the company on the main metrics. If it's more, we won't complain. Um, and um, we're... In a way, we were industry agnostic, as, as alluded to earlier. And we're also um, not really looking into geographies. Um, so we want to, this is completely non-tech. As a company, we, we should focus a bit on certain uh, certain countries, else um, yeah, the, the admin part will, will get a bit too complex. Um, we, we made some good inroads uh, in Europe at the moment. Um, we were talking to quite a few people in Latin America, which has also this, well, outsourcing, um, offshoring development centers um, for Spanish speaking world, um, partly also for the US. Um, and this, yeah, as, as said before, it, it starts as a cost discussion, but then it, it turns around and say, hey, we, we could use this to do a lot more. And um, we we haven't spoken about uh, another differentiator yet. Is uh, so as a, with us, there's no window lock-in. So we create Java code or React JS code. No one will know the difference uh, to a completely handwritten code unless you tell them. Um, and you can use the code exactly the same way as you would use it um, if you would have um, programmed it the traditional way. So. That um, that then also enables customers to, well, the development agencies to become ad more agile as well. And 
if they say if they want to pass the cost savings on to their clients, fair to them. If they want to pocket the difference, um, also also a good play. But um, yeah, it's I think it's a lot of the systems um, and um, vendors that are out there. They have this kind of vendor lock-in at at a certain point, which is good for them. Yeah. So, but it, it's not a partnership. Yeah. So, you provide a solution, the client is hooked, and they say, "Okay." And now we skim them off. But is this really helping them? And in the end, since we spoke about scale, you won't scale within within a company because they will need to buy licenses for their peak demand, and. Um, never never use all of them and we we have a model where we say we don't care if you have 10 developers using us 10 percent of their time or one developer 100 percent of the time so you you can you as a as a user can have that flexibility and agility as well got it okay so um i suppose i'd like to move on to prashant and, and ask you th- it's an interesting time. Uh, we've talked about this being the digital dichotomy. Um, we have a period in which we've got uh, huge pressures on organisations to do more with less, the old adage, but worse than ever. Um, so there's a lot of drive towards automating, uh, automating whatever you can. Um, but there's also um, windows in the market just as much kind of fear about um, the arrival of generative AI. It can, can put a spanner in the works. So let's say you're you're ready to go with a program uh, and then C-Suite shouts, eh, but what if we did this with this new thing over here? Should we stop our investment for now? Should we pause? Should we rethink this? What are you seeing in your interactions with the market um, and how do you think they're going to resolve over the next year or so? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right uh, because see, even today, no matter if it's a tech company, non-tech company, uh, even today our customers are the IT team. So in that room, you'll have those IT managers, you'll have those architects who are sitting there trying to understand what this tool does, right? And yes, at point of time, they are afraid of their jobs. Right. They are. They are. They do fear that this tool may replace these many developers, right? So what we try to message is that, hey, look, we are going to augment you guys. Uh, instead of doing one application in this entire year, you can do like five applications in this entire year. That's going to boost your KPI. That's going to boost your uh, stand here. You need not hire new people, but why don't you use the existing people and do more? Correct. So it's not a tool that you that you can use to lay off people, but use a tool to make them more productive so that you need not spend more money on hiring more people, right? And you can do more and, you know, bring to your competition. That's the kind of message we try to put it out there that uh, while, while yes, it can do all your jobs, but it's not designed to be your replacement. It's just trying to help you and make you more productive and more uh, better. That's the kind of message we try to drive in. But yeah, uh, the fear of AI is always there, no matter what. And I wonder how you see the business developing over the next um, two to three years? And what's your ambitions for Apto? What should we say? There's always a question I ask people towards the end is, what what would you like people to remember about what you do? One thing that they should take away with them. But I think that is encapsulated in this kind of vision, what you want to become. So 
I think let, let's start with Prashant on that for where you'd like to, to see the business going. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge Marvel fan. So my end game is to be build a Jarvis uh, for Apple. So which is like, it's going to be, it's going to go and have that intelligence to build that application on its own, to tell the user what to do. It can also probably understand from the user what he's trying to build. That's my end game. Um, and if I have to give a message, I just say, come try us out and you can build anything blessingly fast. Brilliant. And beyond, is there anything you'd like to add? Sure. Um, what what on a higher level, what we what we want to do is in a way democratizing software development or starting with Java. Um, because they are it's it's an interesting statistic. There are only 30 million software developers in the world, basically responsible for everything around us that is powered by software. And this is everything. It's our daily life. Yeah. Um, we might not interact with software when we're sleeping, but maybe you have, even then you have your smartphone next to you. You have, maybe have your sleep monitor. Um, so it's, it's a very small, small group of people and we, we, we need more of them. Yeah. So I think no one should be, should be afraid of job losses. Yeah. It's, it's rather the other way around. We upgrade your job and, um, we, we help everyone to do more, yeah, to, uh, Let's 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 be hopeful and say technology is there for the better of mankind. Um, so why not accelerate that and and help solve some um, some of the problems that needs that need to be solved by technology or that can be solved by technology, which in the end needs software, which in the end needs developers. And um, if we can accelerate that, open it up to new demographics and play a role in that, that would be fantastic. And that's a great ambition to have. I have to say. I've seen ever since MIT started putting together Lego building blocks of code to, to enable everyone to become a coder. It's become, been an ambition, I think, across the industry. Um, because as you say, it's, it's almost like back to the days when only a handful of people could read and write. They were very, very powerful. And um, what you're trying to do is, is put that power into the hands of more people. And so more power to your elbow, as the, as we would say in the UK. Um, Good luck with it. Uh, we'll be watching very closely to see how you guys proceed. And we're always here to hear your success stories. So please do keep sharing them. Um, Bjorn and, and Prashant, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot for hosting us. Yeah. It was our pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us.